Hey, how's it going, everyone? This is Glenn Gare from Neepscast, the official podcast of the Northeastern Evolutionary Psychology Society. And I'm here today with a very special guest in my personal alum, Laura Johnson. Um, Laura joined the New Paltz Evolutionary Psychology Lab as a researcher in maybe, gosh, 2006-ish. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, Wow, that kind of seems like a long time ago. And, uh, and we've been working together and collaborating uh, on all kinds of things since then. In fact, we're currently co-teaching a section of Evolutionary Studies Seminar here at New Paltz. Um, I'm thrilled to, uh, to be talking with you today, Laura. So how are you doing today? Good. I am so excited to be talking to you today and talking to everyone about NEEPS and EBSYC and all the cool stuff that we're doing. Yeah, that sounds great. So, um, so maybe uh, take a minute to sort of describe your current position and uh, as, a, as a student and researcher, and then we can go on and talk about uh, the history of NEEPS. Sure. Um, so I am in my seventh year um, as a grad student in the anthropology department at Binghamton University um, and hoping to become ABD by the end of the semester. Um, I started off doing research in biological anthropology, um, and then a couple of different things happened, and now I'm in cultural anthropology. Um, and so I do research on virtual reality, adult entertainment, and sex robots, and um, how these different items are produced and how they're being used and how they're changing the future of our sexuality. Wow. Just yeah. in case anyone thought this was going to be boring, kids, we're talking <laughs> sex robots here on the Neepscast today. Yep. Yep. Excellent. So, um, you know, one of the questions I have here is to ask about your research history. I kind of feel like let's let's uh, let's get into that now on the heels of this. So, um, sure. What's the deal with sex robots, and what kind of questions are we uh, we asking in regard to them? Yeah. So I'm looking at. Um, how these products are being produced, what ideas about sex and sexuality are being incorporated into the production of sex robots um, and, and virtual reality adult entertainment. So like VR sex games um, or teledildonic technologies that allow users to have a full sexual experience without ever actually having to meet in person. Mm. Um, and so these have social implications, they have evolutionary implications. Um, and so I'm just right now doing some pre preliminary work um, in doing some background research and stuff. Um, in 2017, I went to the AVN, which is like the big um, adult performer entertainment expo where fans can meet different adult performers. And you can also go see different vendors and um, see the kind of the future of the um, adult performing community. Um, and so I met with people who were working on new teledildonic technologies, they're working on new um, virtual reality gaming, um, and I met a couple of people who were designing sex dolls that have an interactive component um, and sex robots. So it's, it's a really growing field. Um, I think it is going to allow us to expand our sexuality in ways that we haven't quite imagined. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm really excited for what's to come. That's great. And I, I got to say, um, you know, whether people like it or not, there is no question that with advances in technology, these things are on the horizon and are going to in simply increase in, in frequency um, across time and into the future. So to have someone like you who um, is, is asking questions to help us understand these from a cultural and from a psychological perspective, 
uh, at the forefront of this of this trend, I think is really great. So I really look forward to to seeing what your research uncovers. Thank you. Um, so so let's uh, let's step back. You you and I have been doing research together since you were um, a kid, if I yeah. recall correctly. You were 15, 16 years old. Yeah, I first met you when I was 15 years old. Um, so it's it's been almost 13 years that we've known each other, which is mind-boggling. Absolutely. So yeah, so why, why don't you talk a little bit, especially for sort of budding young uh, researchers there. Maybe, uh, I always give you, by the way, as an exemplar of oh a student <laughs> who, who takes advantage of opportunities, you know, who's, who's never been afraid to just knock on someone's door and say, you know, I'd like to possibly collaborate with you, or I'd be interested in uh, maybe teaching a class, or I'd be interested in, you know, some opportunity. And I feel mm -hmm. like um, you've, in my mind, been uh, an example of how successful that kind of approach is. So, you, you know, you've, as far as I know, you've had that approach to your own education for a very long time. So maybe just give a little bit of the sort of the history of our working together and what you've kind of got on to do since then. Sure. Um, well, I've been very fortunate to um you know, to have so many opportunities come my way, um, and I've certainly tried to take advantage of them as much as possible. Um, and so when I was a junior, sorry, when I was a sophomore in high school, I joined this program called Advanced Science Research. Um, and the goal was that by the end of your um, high school experience, you'd have some type of research background that you could take with you um, when you went off to college. And so during your junior year, you were required to find a mentor to work with um, at a university and do research over the summer. And I remember emailing like 20 different researchers um, in psychology and in some other fields. And you were the only one <laughs> who got back to me and had such a positive response. You know, I had a couple of um, researchers say, oh, thank you for the interest, but I want to work with my own research lab right now. Um, and you just said, well, why don't you come up to New Paltz and we'll talk and we'll see where things go. And so when I met with you, I learned about evolutionary psychology. Um, and I was like, this sounds great. We're talking about relationships and sex and all these really <laughs> exciting things and, and how our evolutionary history has informed the way that we think. And, and so it was just, it was fairly, well, not quite new, but um, it was new to me. And so it was just a really exciting time to get involved with this research. And so that summer, um, we were working on analysis of personal ads, but we were using oh, what, uh, the dating game, right? Is that mm -hmm. what we were? Yeah. Um, which then I think eventually turned into uh, MTV's Next um, right. and so looking at um, cross-sex mind reading and things like that. Um, and so when it came time to go to college, um, I had, well, sorry, I have to backtrack a little bit. So after that summer experience, um, I wound up working in your research lab for the last two years of high school, or for the last year of high school. Um, and then I, when it was time to apply to college, it made sense that New Paltz was the place to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the next four years after that, I was in your research lab and we've done some really cool projects together. Um, the uh, male to female mortality ratio and uh, marriage and divorce paper was really a lot of fun. Um, when I learned more about Marianne Fisher's research on 
uh, Harlequin romance novels and when she did the analysis of the different titles, um, I was inspired to visit their series um, called Blaze, which had um, uh, it, with the focus of it was on um, female short-term romantic relationships that eventually become long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about that um, type of uh, storyline was that it was challenging some narratives that we come across in evolutionary psychology about women's mating strategies, because these were women who were interested in strictly sexual relationships until kind of right at the end of the novel. Mm. Um, and really any research that I've, done and have published on um with the exception of you know uh, one or two things has really started because of you and working in your research lab and um all of the students that have come out of your lab like mandy and and Haley and and ben have all been incredibly successful in terms of their work and they're all doing this great scholarship so we have you to think. <laughs> well, well, thank you for that. It's it, it's so much fun working with the students. Um, and if you're uh, if you're a PhD student looking to become an academic, or if you're a young academic, um, I, I will just tell you that from my experience, overseeing a research team of you know motivated, bright young students asking questions that we're interested in. In our case, it's uh, related to evolutionary psychology. Has just been just been a, a thrill and you've been such a great example I'm looking at um, my list of publications here and you actually you and I have collaborated on six pieces that have actually made it to publication over the years and you're still yeah. a student you know so that's um so I think that's really great and you know and again I, I think for people listening what what Laura has done um, has said I'm gonna take advantage of opportunities you know yeah. that that's really been I think you're also super bright and you have a great mind for this kind of stuff, but you know, it's just going after things and, and making it happen has been just such a, a key to your success, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that you allow students to do research while they're still in undergrad is quite a rarity. I don't really know many professors that allow that, out, really outside of the NEEPS community. Um, and so the fact that I was able to start formulating hypotheses and eventually run my own study by my sophomore year is just incredible. Um, and, you know, all of your master's students, they, they basically hit the ground running in terms of all the research that they do. You get them involved in, you know, collaborative projects or they wind up doing their own thing. Um, and so that's so um, helpful, you know, when you're applying to um, PhD programs because your CV has all of this research experience and um, before you've even left the campus so yeah it's it's you run an amazing research lab oh thank you Laura it's, but again it's, you know it's this, we just have great students and I feel like yeah. we have a good a good culture of getting you know getting students to do their best work absolutely um, so well, one of the things that you commented on and okay. that pertain to NEEPS and mm -hmm. so um, you kind of spoke a little bit about NEEPS itself having a somewhat unique culture regarding facilitate student research. Mm -hmm. So with that said, maybe, um, maybe talk about a little bit about your history with NEEPS, the Northeastern Evolutionary Psychology Society, and, uh, and then you know, connect that with, um, with the way that the society cultivates and supports students. Yeah, so I first I went to my first meeting um, just before I turned 16 years old, um, and I have been a part of the society for the last going on 13 years. Um, and the first thing that I noticed was that everyone was so warm and welcoming, and 
um, very interested in what I was doing. And, you know, I'm just a student and I wasn't really part of any academic community because I was still in high school. Mm. Um, and, but they were really uh, supportive and just excited that, you know, they had a high school student there and, um, and that type of tight knit community, but also a welcoming community um, really has expanded over the last um, 12 years. So it's NEEPS has always been a very student friendly conference. Um, we've had a student representative on the NEEPS board, um, which I was uh, a part of way back when. Mm -hmm. um, we accept a lot of student talks and student posters. Um, and when students give presentations, I mean, people ask challenging questions, but um, it's a really positive environment and a supportive environment um, for students to talk about their research for the first time. Um, and, and it's where I first talked to, gave it, sorry, it's when, it's where I first gave my first real research presentation um, and the support was really overwhelming. And now I've presented many times since. Um, and I think it, it's a really good, um, it's a really good introduction for students to, you know, get their feet wet um, in giving presentations. It's a great networking opportunity for students. We've had um, keynote networking lunch that are lunches that are just specifically for students, so they can interact with keynote speakers one-on-one. -on -one. Um, Stacy's organized a really incredible lineup for this year's NEEPS, mm -hmm. um, the yeah. student the student research. Uh, the panel for students. So that's um, Stacy Makanova, who is a doctoral student at uh, Florida State University, um, who also started her research career when she was relatively young. She was an undergraduate and came to a NEEPS conference in 2011, all by herself. It was very brave what she did. And now she's this, you know, thriving doctoral student who's hosting this, uh, this major conference. Yeah, and so she's got some really amazing programming specifically for students. Um, at this conference. And so um, that's been a really unique part of NEEPS. Um, not all conferences have students so in heavily involved in the planning process. Um, and so I think it's a really great opportunity for students to, you know, get involved in, in evolutionary research. Um, and a lot of the collaborations that I've done as a student, actually all of the collaborations I've done as a student have been through connections that I've met um, at NEEPS. So my work with Marianne started when I, you know, saw her talk and then I reached out to her um, and asked if she wanted to collaborate on the Harlequin Romance Project. Um, the most recent research I've done with Becky on um, superheroes, uh, she had um, invited me to join that project with her. Um, I'm doing another project with Marianne that I just submitted to NEEPS on um, competitive behaviors of cam girls. So nice. that is music yeah. to my ears. <laughs> yes, I actually submitted. So we're all set there. Oh, that's um, great. And just to, um, just for listeners out there who might not be super familiar with our community, um, Laura's talking about some of the faculty members and scholars who've been strongly connected from the get-go. Marianne Fisher um, is at St. Mary's University in beautiful Halifax, uh, Canada, and she's been a great collaborator um, for myself and several members of our, our research team, but she and Laura have hit it off since, gosh, <laughs> since like 2007, I feel like you've, you've always been collaborating with her. 
I feel um, like that too. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so, so great. And I know that, um, you know, you've even gone ab- abroad to conferences where she's been there. And I kind of feel like some of the people like Marianne and senior faculty make sure to look out for, um, for students in those contexts, which is really great. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, her students have always been so wonderful to talk to. So we have these international connections um, that you can form. Um, and yeah, so it's just, it's just every time I leave NEEPS, I always feel academically recharged and inspired and um, just ready to hit the ground running on new projects. Yeah. Um, and and having been able to plan my own NEEPS conference with Mandy. Um, 2017, a Binghamton. 2017, yeah. A, a plus, by the way. I just want to put oh, that out you. there. It was absolutely <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, that was a really amazing experience as well. Um, Mandy had so many great ideas to um, help kind of expand what the conference wanted to do. And, um, and so just having that opportunity and, and having the NEEPS board have faith that mm-hmm. two grad students could plan this conference. Um, and Dan Glass kind of really set the tone for that because he planned Boston. Um, in 2015. In 2015, yeah. So um, having the NEEPS board, you know, allowing us to have that responsibility um, has prepped me for so many other things. Um, I've gotten a lot of other academic opportunities because I can put on my CV that I helped to organize this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Jimmy and Stacy are doing an amazing job and, yeah, um, and, and so they're, they're paving the way for the next you know, generation of grad students to plan right. their conference. And, yeah. and, for, and for people listening, um, I think this is absolutely true about the, uh, about the, the NEEPS mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take supporting students very seriously. And um, in 2015, Dan Glass, as a doctoral student in Boston, said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll host the next conference if that's okay. And a lot of us, you know, myself included, know Dan well enough that there, no one even blinked. I don't think <laughs> anyone even said, wait a minute, he's a student, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, because he, he kind of grew up neeps. Like, we knew this guy. We knew Dan was super confident. We knew that he had been involved in several conferences prior um, and he really did a, a, an amazing job in, in Boston 2015, turned up Steven Pinker, giving a keynote address in the old meeting house in the same room where George Washington rallied the troops. I'm, I'm like, that. I, it's hard to think of a, um, a more pinnacle moment for our society. And, uh, and then when you and uh, when, so when Laura and, and Mandy Guitar in 2017 put out that they would uh, host the conference, everyone knew it was going to be a success. You know, it was, that, it was that kind of thing. Same with, I mean, Jimmy and Stacy right now, you know, they have had the way paved by you guys and, you know, organizing for them. Think about it. They're grad students mm-hmm. in the South. So that doesn't really, you know, Florida and Louisiana are not really the Northeast mm-hmm. and they're planning a conference that's going to be in Boston where, you know, none of us live in Boston. So, um, right. challenges associated with that are, are monumental, but I like to think that, you know, a, we know Jimmy and Stacy and we've mm-hmm. known them for a long time because they have been students who've been coming for a long time mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and the community sort of stands together. You know, the members of the board, uh, our great president and Joel Wade, I know is working closely with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think that's, you know, students don't usually host major academic international conferences. Yeah. I mean, this is really the first, the only conference that I know of, or at least that I'm a, um, that I've been a part of that allows this. I mean, um, I've been to student organized conferences, but they're, you know, fairly small and, and very regional. And, um, 
but yeah, this is a, a big international conference over three or four days. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it, it was a lot of hard work. Um, and I'm very thankful that, um, you know, I was able to have a co-host with Mandy. I can't imagine doing it on my own. Right. Um, like Dan Glass did. Um, but yeah, we are just so thankful for this opportunity. Um, and it really has opened so many other doors outside of um, evolutionary psychology. Oh, that's, that's so great to hear. Um, so, uh, so connecting with NEEPS, there's another organization that's actually been on my mind quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. which is FEPS, or the Feminist Evolutionary Perspective Society. Yep. Um, uh, people who list, are listening may or may not know that the field of evolutionary psychology is sometimes uh, criticized largely from a feminist perspective. And I think a lot of the founders of NEEPS um, we're a little concerned about that because a lot of us actually identify as feminists in the mm-hmm. sense that we um, totally stand for equality across the sexes and the genders and um, for developing social structures that will facilitate um, success regardless, um, regardless of whether someone's a, a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so the FEPS organization came out of NEEPS and I'm going to guess that you were probably at the very first FEPS meeting, Laura. I was, yep. So, yep. Back in 2009, I think so, it was the very first FEPS meeting, yeah. So tell us about that and tell us about what the organization has done since. Yeah, um, so Marianne Fisher, um, Becky Birch, and Rose Sokol Chang um, were kind of the founding members of FEPS, and they wanted to explore the possibility of um, integrating um, evolutionary psychology and evolutionary perspectives with a feminist ideology. Because um, as you were saying, yeah, uh, Psych does face a lot of criticism from um, feminist scholarship. And so how can we address that criticism and make our research um, and, and take on a feminist perspective within our own evolutionary studies? Um, and so in 2009, they have the first meeting and it was kind of just gauging everyone's interest, getting an idea for what our name should be um, and what type of research we want to produce out of that. Um, In 2013, they had the um, FEPS letter of purpose, which was in um, JSEC, the Journal of uh, Social and Evolutionary yeah. Evolution psychology. And now it's EDS. Um, And so that explained, you know, our mission statement and our purpose. Um, and then they published Evolution's Empress, which also talked about feminist issues in evolutionary psychology. So a lot of work has been mm-hmm. done to um, integrate these two seemingly um, oppositional perspectives. Um, and so FEPS has gone on, brought FEPS to SEPS. So we have a uh, Southern presence now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and really FEPS is about looking at and re-examining um, so the female role in evolution. Um, and so kind of challenging some mainstream EBSYC ideas about um, uh, female, like, like female mating strategies um, or looking into things like alloparenting um, and these are some issues that hadn't really been explored until um, FEPS started kind of putting the call out there for different types of papers right. and different research and, and different collaborative efforts. Yeah, it's been a groundbreaking initiative. And um, I, I kind of have been somewhat involved. And every now and then I kind of am watching from the side. And I'm just amazed at what um, what is being done under the FEPS 
banner. And even just this semester, I'm teaching evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty common, I, you know, I, I've had one or two students say, you know, as, as a women's uh, gender studies student, I mm -hmm. have a little, some concerns about some of this and um, kind of thing. And I'm like, A, speak up in class because these dialogues and conversations have to happen and we have to have a, an open and safe environment for these conversations. And mm -hmm. the second, you know, and so I really try to facilitate that. And secondly, I say, check out FEPS, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of students are, are, you know, surprised that it exists and then they end up being somewhat inspired by it. So thanks for all your work on that over the years. <laughs> I, I look forward to, to what comes next. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, so a final thing, uh, we're just about going to wrap up this conversation with Laura Johnson, doctoral student in anthropology at Binghamton University. Um, but uh, we have a new thing that we're adding to the Neepscast, which <laughs> this is actually, I'll give you a little history, um, in honor of my friend Peter Kaufman. So mm -hmm. Peter was a sociologist at New Paltz who worked here for the same duration I did, tragically passed away via lung cancer very recently. And he was a very well-regarded teacher, like incredibly well-regarded teacher. And I was fortunate to have learned a lot of teaching ideas and techniques from him. And one thing that he did, and I'm like, this is so simple and so powerful. He would have students, whatever they were talking about, he would say, write a haiku about this. You know, it could be, in his case, it might be education and sociology, or it might be, um, the, the right versus the left and, and the implications for society, whatever topic they'd be talking about, he'd say, write a haiku about it. Five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables. And I've started doing this with my students uh, for certain topics. And it's a, it's a kind of simple and powerful and fun way to, to share ideas. So with that said, Laura, you will be our first Neepscast guest your final bit is going to be to share your evolutionary psychology haiku with us. Oh boy. All right. Here we go. From cell to footprints, first to roam, from sea to earth, we are Darwin's pride. We are Darwin's pride. Love it. There we go. That's Laura Johnson, everyone from Binghamton University. And if you want to meet Laura in person, you should go to Neeps in Boston, June 2nd to June 4th. Laura, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm looking forward to see you in June. Sounds good. I will see you then. Take care.